Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of NCMMA Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush, and you can follow us on Twitter, NCMMA underscore radio, and we're also on Instagram, too, so check us out there and give us a follow. On today's show, we've got a really special guest. Um, he's Michael Chandler, uh, a star in Bellator, who actually came out to New Jersey and trained with uh, Frankie Edgar and those guys, did some sparring. So as a, as a student, as a fan of his, to see him there with us training with Frankie Edgar, it was a true honor. So right now, we'll bring him in. Michael, this is Tyson Roush. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. No, thank you. And as I mentioned previously, you know, about a month ago or so, you came in and you trained with Frankie Yeager and those guys as he prepared for his fight with Chad Mendez. Uh, what was that experience like uh, from your perspective? It was awesome, man. You know, uh, obviously, if you're a wrestler uh, thinking about going into MMA, you need to watch guys like Frankie Yeager and uh, obviously Chad Mendez, and, and the list goes on and on and, and on. But I, I think when I was first thinking about getting into this sport, uh, Frankie Edgar was w- w- hadn't fought for the title yet. He was just about to fight for the title, I believe. And he was one of those guys that I looked at, and I was like, I, I want to fight like that guy. I want to be like that guy. I want to hit like that guy. I want to move like that guy. I want to get you know be ferocious and have a great ten- a great chin and, and get takedowns like that guy. And you know, now four years later. Um, you know, to be able to get the opportunity to go train with him and, and obviously Mark Henry and Edson Barboza and just the awesome team that they have up there in New Jersey was, was nothing short of amazing. It was cool. And, um, you know, obviously for a couple of years there, him and Eddie were training together and me and Eddie had a, had some history. So it was always, it was always like a, you know, no, uh, not a friendly situation, I guess, but now that all were removed from all that now we, uh, our friends and able to train together, and I, I'd like to go back up there very soon. Yeah, and like I said, as a, as a student that trains there to watch you guys, it was like a, it was like a pay per view event watching you and Frankie train. It's just it, it was yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I guess Mike, you mentioned Eddie Alvarez, who you know he won a decision against um, Anthony Pettis this weekend. You know, as as a guy that fought against him, were you surprised about his performance, or what were your thoughts on that fight? You know, to be honest, I, I think. Uh... I wasn't necessarily surprised. I think Eddie Eddie could have kept a higher pace. I mean, maybe maybe watching the fight, it seems a little bit slower. But I, I've you know obviously spending almost 50 minutes in the cage with him, he's usually able to keep his foot on the gas more. I don't know if it's because he he focused a little bit more on wrestling this fight than he normally does or whatnot. But you know, I would have liked to keep see him keep his foot on the gas a little bit more. 
against an Anthony Pettis who was who was definitely underwhelming. Definitely, you know, didn't didn't get off those those you know arsenal of strikes like he usually has. Um, but you know, my my kind of perception of the fight was you know Eddie Eddie ground out the decision. I definitely thought Eddie won. I know I know Pettis was wasn't happy with the decision, but the guy who loses a split decision rarely is, you know. So um, I think Eddie did enough to win for sure. And, uh, you know, got those takedowns and controlled the cage and landed just as much, if not more, of the strikes. You know, I definitely agree with you. And I guess the interesting question here is, you know, in this day and age of social media and all these things going on, as an accomplished fighter, do you feel a lot of pressure to appease the fans and have an exciting fight? Or do you focus more on saying, I need to get this win, I want to keep, you know, I want to get another title shot, things like that? I think when I got into this sport, Obviously, I mean, social media wasn't as big as it is now, you know, four or five years later. But I, I will say, you know, I think I'm just – I'm an exciting fighter by default. You know, I, I don't I don't necessarily go out there wanting to get into a slugfest or wanting to get into a war or want um, – or try to necessarily put on a great show for the fans. It just kind of happens. It's kind of in my nature. It was the same – my same style I had with wrestling, and I carried it over into MMA. And, you know, thank God I'm, I'm an exciting fighter and people like to see me fight, but – you know, I think the older I get, the more I think about winning and the more I think about winning dominantly as well as winning uh, in a decisive way. You know, there's there's certain things that you can do in a fight to make sure the judges think that you have the upper hand or make sure that the judges know that you have the upper hand. Um, and obviously, you know, getting into a slugfest or getting into a war or letting a guy, letting a guy get in an advantageous position, even though a lot of times – you know, you do it, and you're not worried. You're not worried about the the position that they're in or anything like that. But let the judges see that you're not in the most dominant position. You know that that kind of stuff weighs on their minds, and it's can kind of sway them towards the other guy. So, you know, more than anything, focus on what's going to win. You know, the cage control, aggression, landing landing strikes, landing takedowns, and uh, just be dominant all the way all the way around and leave no question. Yeah, no doubt. You've been in some legendary fights, so that, that that's very well said. I guess you touched on the judging a little bit, and as you know, as as aspiring fighters, young fighters, even fans of the sport, sometimes we're just boggled by the decisions where you know one guy is giving it four rounds to one, where the other has it four guy four rounds to one to the other fighter. Does that ever come to your mind when you're in the middle of a fight, say third round, something like that, where you're like, all right, when you talk to your coaches, like, what do I need to do? Do you focus on that at all? Like, the, the maybe the judging where it could be kind of you know a little not biased, but kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's so weird. It's so weird. There's so many fights and there's so many different judges, and and you and you really don't know what they're looking for. And even when, even if there's a manual that says, okay, all judges are supposed to look for this, you know, one guy's perception of this certain thing is different than the next guy's perception or the next woman's perception. And and there's a lot of judges out there who have never fought. There's a lot of judges out there who took a test and and said, okay, I know the rules, but they don't. They they've never they've never fought. They've never had you know, that actual cage experience. So it's, it's definitely different. It's definitely a little bit frustrating here and there. Um, and it, it, it just, you've got to go back to training as hard as you possibly can to be in the best shape that you possibly can. Um, and then let your technique take take over and hit more than you get hit and, and secure takedowns and, and just be in dominant positions. And it's, it's different because you really never know, you know, you really, really never know. And a lot of times I think judges are like, oh, the fight ends, that last whistle blows and they're like, shoot, I don't know who won. Uh, they flip the coin and they, they give it to this guy or that girl, you know, and it's just, you, uh, you just hope and pray. Cause you know, at the end of the day, your livelihood is on the line and 
and your livelihood is in the in the hands of of the judges and and to being a guy who's lost some split decisions that a lot of people thought I won it's the worst thing in the world because you know you feel like you won you feel like you did enough and you just you go home with half a paycheck and and a loss on your record yeah, and that's the unfortunate thing. And like you said, like there's fights. Well, I agree with you where I thought you won as well. And it's like, you know, what people forget is like the the purse that's behind it. You know, the the winner's purse. All these different mm-hmm. things that you know, contractually go behind it. People don't remember. They kind of say, okay, that that stinks. They go away, but the fighters deal with the aftermath of that, which it kind of sucks. Um, I guess, yeah. I guess my other question. <laughs> you're like, yeah, it does. Um, my question yeah. is, well, I noticed when you when you were training with Frankie and training at, at NC MMA, you know, we all admired like your work ethic, your tenacity. You, you got a great pace, things like that. When you're training for a fight in your camp, like, are there certain things you focus on more than others? Is it like fighter specific, or is it just your overall game you try to work on? Um, I, you know, the good thing. The best thing that you can be in, the best situation you can be in, is a is a situation like where Frankie is. He he is within 45 minutes from from his training all year round. You know the the best thing you can do is outside of training camps, go and work on your overall game. Go and work on overall techniques and overall skills and and overall strength and conditioning. And then once you get into that training camp, then it becomes more fighter specific. And obviously, I, I've never seen a more in-depth, um, more caring coach in the entire world than Mark Henry. That that guy is amazing. You know, I, I mean, when I got there that that week, he's like, he showed me a piece of paper and he showed me the breakdown on Chad Mendez. And he said he throws this, he throws that, he threw this many kicks, he threw this many punches in the Aldo fight, he threw this many this, this many that in the Nick Lentz fight, and and I was just blown away at the amount of detail. You know, so they have a they have a very very fight or fighter opponent specific training camp and they got their own calls and their own stuff and and obviously I was there to mimic Mendez a little bit and you know do do certain things that was going to get Frankie prepared for that fight and you know that that left hook uh that he had knocked him out with was definitely something that he hit me with during that week so um you know, hopefully I, I helped a little bit even though you know Frankie knew and and Chad knew I, I'm I'm friends with both of those guys and and Frankie called me to come up, and I said, "Heck yeah, man! I can't, I can't turn down an opportunity like that." And so that was one of the hardest fights for me to ever watch because I've been with Chad, uh, friends with Chad for years, and and obviously looked up to for Frankie or with Frankie or to Frankie since you know day one. So it was definitely a bittersweet fight, um, but it was great to have helped uh, Frankie for that fight, you know. Yeah, no doubt. And like I said, you know, we we enjoy just watching you guys train. It, it's just, you know, like I said, you get a lot of students sitting around watching just like your your technique, even like when you shadow box things like that. It's just fun to watch all those kind of things. Um, you know, Thank as you. you go forward, you know, as you go forward, you know, you, you've accomplished a lot. You've, you know, you forward, you're former champion. You've won two in a row. What are you looking to do as you go forward in terms of, like your training and and terms of fights? Uh, you know, just get better. You know, I, I think I kind of alluded to, to being a veteran of the sport earlier, you know, and, and focusing on just getting better mentally and physically. You know, the more the more and longer I'm in this sport, the more I realize it's so much more mental than it is physical. You know, God has blessed me with, with uh, um, an athletic body and good reflexes and strength and speed and that kind of stuff. And it's, and it's up to me to believe in that. It's up to me. Uh, to wake up every morning believing that I deserve great things and I deserve to accomplish great things, and I do work hard. I feel like I work harder than most guys, and I feel like I, I live a clean lifestyle like a lot of guys don't, and I made the right decisions leading up to this point, and I married the right woman, the most supportive woman I could possibly have married, and and I've and I've taken all the right steps up to this point, so it's up to me to truly believe that I deserve to be the best. I deserve to be a champion of the sport. I, des- I deserve to be compensated well for my for my efforts, and I deserve to, to, to wear a, a belt around my waist, you know, and 
and that's uh, that's the goal. You know, be in big fights, um, fight the toughest opponents, get get a belt back, and uh, you know, just keep on getting people pumped up about life. Because at the end of the day, you know, you look at a guy like Dominic Cruz, who thank God he's back and he's a champion, but you know, his career very well could have been over, you know, a year ago or after the second ACL or after the third ACL, and you can't take anything for granted. So the older I get, the more I I, I uh, really take this sport. Um, seriously, and, I, and I'm truly, truly blessed to be able to do what I do. So, you know, I'm just enjoying it every day, one day at a time, and, and I want to get better. I want people to watch me and, and get inspired and get motivated, and I want them to be wowed by my technique and how good I am, and uh, that's just a testament to hard work and trying to do the right things. No, and that's the it's definitely that's a definitely an inspiring take. And you mentioned Dominic Cruz. I mean, Dominic Cruz offered some great quotes after the fight, and it wasn't about the belt. It was about just his just achieving to where he got to, and it's just the perseverance of things like that. And, and that was inspiring as well. Um, a question that a lot of fighters always get in our gym is, you know, how often do you spar? Like, you know, when people first started out, everybody wants to come in, they want to spar four days a week and do all these things. You know, as a veteran fighter, you know, do you spar two times a week, four times a week, or how often do you spar? Um, it's usually about, or well, it's been different. You know, when I was at Alliance, it was, it was always two days a week, one gloves, you know, meaning, you know, full power punches and kicks. And, and then, um, you know, I've trained down in Arizona at power MMA and we do one, one day a week, small gloves, one day a day a week, big gloves. So big glove day, obviously you're, you're trying to take each other's head off. Um, you know, in a teammate kind of way, not obviously if, if someone goes down, you're not trying to finish them or anything, but you know, you're wearing a 16 ounce glove in full protection. So you can go hard, but the small glove days, it's more focused on the grappling, more focused on the cage control, more, more focused on, um, that kind of stuff. So any more, the older I get, I think, I think one day of hard sparring for sure a week. And, you know, I, I don't think any more than two should you be taking that kind of damage to your head because you know at the end of the day i think we all have um only a certain amount of sparring rounds in us and only a certain round round or only a certain amount of wars in us until all of a sudden it gets a lot easier to get knocked out so i think the more you preserve your brain the more you preserve your chin the better and you know the more i the more i'm in the sport sport the more the more i see guys kind of throwing on throwing on the smoke gloves throwing a mouthpiece, not wearing headgear, and kind of just moving around, throwing punches and kicks, not not 100%, but almost almost like you're drilling, but it's drilling without a, without a script. You know, you're you're reacting to things. You're seeing punches coming, which helps with your head movement, which helps with your uh, blocking your punches. You're, you're throwing more feints. You're throwing, you're throwing your punches, kicks, and knees and elbows um, and landing combinations, and you're seeing them land. I think, I think one of the big problems I had um, was I would hit mitts and I would do these kickboxing combinations and I would never drill them after. And then I would go straight into sparring and I would try to hit those same things full speed and they wouldn't work. So then all of a sudden you lose that confidence in all those combinations that you had just worked on with the mitts. So I think drilling these days is actually a lot more important than sparring, you know, sparring hundred percent full, full speed is, is kind of my opinion. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's something that you know we spoke to um, like Eddie Alvarez and Jimmy Hedges over the last couple of weeks. And they they said the same thing actually. They're saying you know what you want to you want to sharpen your skill set, but at the same time you don't want to enter a fight injured. You want to stay somewhat healthy and prepared and not all banged up and beat up. So they actually said the same yeah. thing. Um, and yeah, a guy so, like well, we're, a guy like Eddie okay, too. Sorry, and like a guy like Eddie, you know, and freaking you cannot question that dude's heart. I mean, how many times have you seen the dude literally get dropped to his knees? 
uh, from a punch and then get back up, stay composed, and then end up finishing the fight or end up winning the fight. You know, I, I don't think the guy's actually been dropped since my fight with him back in 2011. You know, I could, I could be wrong, but I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, he, he might get, have gotten hurt a little bit, but not actually dropped in these re- most recent fights. So it's, you know, that could be something where he kind of changed up his, his, uh, his sparring and, you know, his chin's, you know, coming back a little bit more too, you know? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something fascinating to watch as, as fighters go forward. Um, we're speaking with Michael Chandler. You can follow him on Twitter, at Mike Chandler MMA, and also check out his website where he's got a blog on there, some really cool stuff. It's michaelchandler.com. Uh, Michael, the, the question I have for you is a question we've been asking a lot lately is the big thing right now, especially in New Jersey is with Frankie Edgar, is the politics of MMA where we all think he deserved the title shot. Obviously, Conor McGregor went up a weight class, and, and he's fighting Dos Anjos and things like that. Has the politics of the sport become a little bit too much at this point, do you think? It seems like it's more prevalent in the UFC, but do you, have you noticed that as a fighter? You know, I mean, it, it is definitely more prevalent in the UFC, but the UFC has a lot more fights, a lot more fighters, and a lot more, you know, a lot more opportunities for politics, I guess. And, man, it was – trust me, I, I, I texted Frankie the other day to see if he was going to be in Boston, and, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit, and – I, we we obviously don't neither of us have a fight set up and and we both kind of ended it with well let let me know when you have a fight and I told him I, I we both know what you should have next he should definitely have that title shot against McGregor and you know it seems like certain guys get you know get what they want and certain guys kind of get put on the shelf and obviously Frankie you know Frankie has been vocal about his lack of being vocal has been his downfall you know talking about how he he doesn't talk enough so he doesn't get the fights that that uh, that will quote unquote sell, you know, because he doesn't actually because he doesn't talk enough. So, unfortunately, it's not just about fighting these days anymore. I think it's about the it's about the show, it's about the smack talk, it's about the it's about the lead up to the fight. And you know, on, on one hand, I I understand it because it's it's a business and it's show business, it's the entertainment business. But on the other hand, you look at a guy like Frankie Edgar who is at his best, who has beaten every single person in the division. Um, Besides Jose Aldo, I guess, and and you just you you feel for him, and it it does stink, but it's also just part of it. It's part of it's. You also have to look at it from the positive perspective of the sport is getting so big that politics are actually involved more. You know, back in the day, it was Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture and a couple other guys, and that's it. And now it's you know literally fifty or sixty different big time stars that everyone's trying to kind of make fights with so it's it's different and it's a bad thing but it's a double-edged sword and it's a good thing and you just got to roll with it i guess but this is also me you know if i was in frankie's position i'd be just as ticked yeah no it's crazy it, it's it's like you said it's sad in a way because you know it's like he put the he's putting the work in like you like you put the work in like you see fighters that are they're climbing the ladder they're, they're putting all the work and they're doing all the right things it shouldn't have to come down to talking trash to get a fight. It should just be like, listen, you, you climb the ranks, you get it. And it's just like everybody, all the diehard fans agree, but then it's like, you know, it just doesn't work out. So it's, it's frustrating on many levels for, for a variety of fighters, not just Frankie. Um, I guess my last question yeah. for you is this, and, you know, thank you for your time, first of all, is, you know, do you have a message for young and expiring fighters? You know, like, you, you, you do a lot of great things. You know, you're very active, you're very positive, you have a great blog on your website. Do you have a message for all the young fighters out there? Yeah, I mean, I think the one of the biggest messages is, is um, you know, obviously believe in yourself. And if you're if you have already started fighting and you don't have a wrestling background, get your butt in a wrestling club. 
Uh, go to every single wrestling class at your gym. Go to your local high school. Go uh, Get a good relationship with those guys so you can wrestle with those high schoolers. Go, go to your local community college, your local uh, even university, if they'll let you, you know, walk in and work out with those wrestlers. I'm telling you right now, if you look at, you know, the direction of Anthony Pettis' career, you know, he lost his last two fights based on wrestling, right? And it doesn't matter if you can jump off the cage, do a backflip, and kick a guy, you know, in uh, right in the mouth. If if somebody wants to go out there and pick you up and put you down and beat you up and control you, the wrestling wins fights and lack of wrestling loses fights. And and obviously I'm biased, completely biased, because I have a high school and, and college wrestling uh, background. So wrestled at the University of Missouri Division One, the highest level you can possibly wrestle at. And within those four walls at the University of Missouri, the hours and hours and hours I spent literally tormenting myself has made me into the man I am today. Um, it's made me. It's made me humble and kind of having those humble roots and, and realizing that hard work and trying to be a good person will get you really, really far in this life. And it, uh, if you're in you know, high school, middle school, get in the wrestling room. Join the wrestling team. If you, if you plan on fighting someday, you're going to have a really, really tough go at it if you don't have good wrestling. And not just the technique of it, but like I said, the, the mental aspect of it and um, the man and, or woman, the competitor that it's going to make you. Um, so get in the wrestling room. Believe in yourself and try to try to operate with integrity, and good things will happen. Michael, I mean that, that's just awesome. I, I, first of all, I want to thank you for your time, and you know, and thank you for being so nice to all like all the students at NCMMA. When you came in, you were very friendly, talked to all of us, and it, it was just an honor to watch you train. Uh, so I want to thank you for that, and thank you for your time today as well. Of course, man. Thank you. That's that's what's all about, man. If it, if it wasn't for uh, you know the amazing people in the media. Uh, as well as the, the awesome fan support, we'd be a bunch of fighters fighting in a basement somewhere for, with no money and you know, just uh, fighting for the glory, I guess. So it's you, you guys and, and the fans have made this sport into what it is today. So um, I love those kind of interactions, and uh, it's uh, it's awesome to be a part of this sport of MMA. And I appreciate every every fan and, and uh, you know guys like yourself giving me the opportunity to to be put on a platform. So thank you, Michael. Thank you very much for your time. Best of luck in the future, and hopefully I get to talk to you again. You got it, man. I'll see you. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, once again, that was Michael Chandler, a star in Bellator. You can follow him on Twitter, at MikeChandlerMMA. Uh, MichaelChandler.com is his website where he has a blog. He has some uh, clo- a clothing line as well. And, man, he, he shared a lot of great information there from the you know the coaching of Mark Henry while he was here to the, the, how he looked up to Frankie Edgar and just to his, old, his own training and his beliefs and things like that. So, a very very positive guy, a very talented guy who can make some waves again, once again in Bellator. So I want to thank him for his time. And once again, you can follow us on Twitter. We're NCMMA underscore radio. We're also on Instagram, so give us a follow there. And until then, we'll talk to you again next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 